We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. Portions of the Arthur Idala Power Hour, sponsored by Hemp Leaf. We won't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in your body. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go-to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high-profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. It's Wednesday night, and you know what it is. It is Pesach. That's right. It's Passover, Um, and we got a lot to talk about. We got two great guests. Uh, Joe Tacopina is going to be here at the bottom of the show, Uh, spend about 20 minutes, 25 minutes with us, so we if you missed any of his appearances, we can you'll get it from uh, straight from the source about what's going on with President Trump. We're going to talk a little bit with Chuck Thies about um, the national political impact of this. But I want to bring in my friend Sebastian to talk about Passover and Italians and Passover. We sit down at her mother's house. I'm starving, right? <laughs> starving. They start passing out pamphlets like reading material. I'm like, what's going on? What are we doing here? What's with the... She's like, no, we read for two hours. Two hours. I said, listen, I'm Italian. As soon as I sit at the table, I got to have bread within 15 seconds of sitting down. All right? I, I need something to do with my right hand. I need a... Some oil coming out? We got oil? I need oil. Now. Hungry. And they food, the food they start bringing out, oh, God, terrible, terrible <laughs> Jews have no idea what the hell they're doing in the kitchen. These people have no cuisine. Celery, crackers, jam. I'm like, what is it? We're losing people. People are leaving. We need food. So uh, I'm playing that because uh, I've been blessed to celebrate many a Passover with different friends. Um, but I... <laughs> The first Passover I went to, uh, I did I did share Sebastian's Maniscalco's uh, kind of like surprise at what's going on. You know, I I had been to a break fast, uh, you know, after Yom Kippur, and when you go there, uh, I went at my at my friend uh, Carol Feinberg and Ken Feinberg's house, Ken Gilman's house. And there's like a, a ton of food. Now it's breakfast food at 7 o'clock at night. But, you know, that's okay. Uh, but there's a lot of it. Uh, and so when I went to Passover, I think the first time I went, I went with Luca, who was like my son, who was like seven years old at the time. And it's it's exactly what 
uh, Sebastian is describing, like, I'm bringing this hungry seven-year-old kid. Now, I had brought him to another family's house for the breakfast, and right away there's bagels and, and cream cheese and butter, and we're all good. And I got a hungry kid. And they they literally handed out pamphlets. So we're going to read. And I'm like, we're reading? Like, you know, this, this is not my idea of, like, this big family meal. I'm used to Easter Sunday. I'm used to uh, Christmas, you know, whatever it is, Thanksgiving. Like, you know, there's a lot of food. Like, the second you walk in, like, this Easter Sunday, when I go to my mother-in-law's house, from the second I walk in, there will be food everywhere you look. I mean, even when you're like, as soon as you walk in, there'll be a thing of cashew nuts. And then over there, there'll be a thing of like raisins and trail mix. And then, you know, then when you get in the kitchen, there's the stuffed mushrooms and the mozzarella. And and we're sitting there doing this whole Passover thing. And then, like Sebastian (laughs) says, when the the food comes out, I mean, it's not a glorious uh, situation. I'm going to ask uh, Matt Sambolin. He's not going to be Sambolino tonight. Matt Matt Sambolin. Uh, Matt, you want to? Tonight, I'm Matt the Jew. (laughs) <laughs> you want to you want to you want to chime in here on the the cuisine of Passover? Uh, I mean, yes, it's it's not super appealing uh, some of the food, but I mean, when you get to the dinner portion, you got good stuff. You got matzo ball soup. You have um, okay, all okay, kinds of okay. Food. Hold, hold on, hold on. Let's just stop right there. You got <laughs> matzo ball soup. Now, are we going to put matzo ball soup in the same league? As like Nanette Bertuna's filetta de pomodoro with the little m- mini rigatonis with the, when she then puts fresh grated egg, uh, fresh grilled eggplant on top and sh- and shreds the regatta salata on top of that. We're gonna put the basically you're taking matzah bowl matzah, which is unleavened bread. You're crushing it, putting it into a bowl and throwing it into some salty broth. That's that's going to be your lead as like the positive food at the Passover dinner. It's like fil- the filet mignon of the meal compared to Italian <laughs> cuisine. Okay, <laughs> it truly is. And my mom's matzo ball soup. I will put that up against anyone else's. She's got the best. All right. So uh, how about this? Uh, like on Monday or something? Is there going to be like a little container of, of matzo ball soup that'll be distributed? I'm, so I'm just curious. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I may have to go to to pick some up from her house, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's good stuff. I mean, you look, the the meal is not uh, something to look forward to. The The best part is having the family all around. But uh, the meal itself, there is some good cuisine. Uh, I mean, again, comparing it to Italian food, uh, it's a different level. But it, it is a, a nice holiday. Okay, so let me ask you this question. What you call on the horseradish? Uh, I, I, that's something you have to kind of be in the mood for. I'm not a big horseradish fan. I, I, I'm not a big gefilte fish fan. Uh, there's some of the appetizing stuff is not all that good. So since you brought up uh, gefilte, since you since <laughs> you brought up gefilte, let me let me just see if uh, if I could find my man Sebastian here talking <laughs> <laughs> talking about the gefilte fish because he's hilarious when it comes to this. Hold on, bear with me. And they food, the food they start bringing out, oh, God, terrible, terrible <laughs> Jews have no idea what the hell they're doing in the kitchen. These people have no cuisine. Celery, crackers, jam. I'm like, what is it? We're losing people. People are leaving. We need food. breakfast they fall apart the juice after a bagel a cream cheese locks where are they going they got nothing they have nothing 
Has anybody ever said to you, we went to this Jewish restaurant last night? The gefilte? Amazing. <laughs> so there's, there's your gefilte right there. With that being said, um, I have had many a beautiful Seder um, and... Um, uh, at so many of my different friends' houses, and I've had beautiful experiences. And listen, all kidding aside, when when I've been at Professor Dershowitz's house, and we do the reading, the, the whole pamphlets thing, I now know, like, eat a piece of pizza before, <laughs> before you get there. <laughs> so I learned my lesson. But we do have some very interesting uh, conversations. And then, Matt, I don't want to put you on the spot, but... There's something where they hide the chocolate-covered matzah, and like the youngest kid has to go yeah, find it. Yeah, it's called hiding the afikomen, and then right. basically yeah, yeah. it's it's designed a game for the kids. Whoever finds it wins a dollar or whatever prize is is the prize of the evening. <laughs> so of course, Mister Bitter just texted me. Hmm, Jewish people holidays involve reading history. I wonder why those people are so academically successful. Well, you know what? I, I, I look. I, I'm playing right into your hand. But although Mr. Bitter, who just texted me, is also the guy who spends Christmas Eve at my house many a time, and he's eating like he's going to the electric chair, so <laughs> he enjoys a good plate of pasta. All right, we got a good show. I hope you don't mind. I started off on a little lighthearted note. I did. I think from Monday till this evening, I close to forty media appearances about uh, President Trump. Uh, we're going to talk to Joe Tacopina shortly. We're going to come back with Chuck Thies uh, talking about the political ramifications of uh, this indictment. This indictment is um, it's now that I've processed it, now that I've spoken with Judge Kamins and others, it's just it's and I heard that that uh, Merrick Garland, the number one lawyer in the United States of America, passed on this case because, quote unquote, he thought it was petty. This is not a case that should have been brought. Donald Trump may have other problems in other areas of the, of the country, but this was not the this was not the case to bring. Taking a quick break, we're going to be right back with Chuck Thies. Don't go anywhere. Gregory Floyd, host of Reaching Out, gets answers to the tough questions from people in the know. I had two guests, Christopher Bayonne and Vito Pitta, attorneys with Pitta Bayonne. It's been almost 18 years since the 9-11 attack. We hear about first responders dying from 9-11 related cancers. Do you think this is the beginning of the end of that cancer epidemic relating to 9-11, or is it the end of the beginning? We don't have a full picture of everyone that was exposed. So while first responders, uniformed personnel, recovery workers were very much aware of the Zadroga Act, everyone else that was below Canal Street may not know that, one, they were exposed, and two, that they are potentially eligible for health care and compensation because of that exposure. It's Reaching Out with Gregory Floyd at a new time, Saturday afternoon at 2.30 and again at 9 p.m. on AM 970, The Answer. All right, so let's talk about the great lawyers at Connors & Sullivan. Remember when you were in your teens and you thought you were invincible? Well, Sam Alina, you know how much sleep I've gotten? Tell Eight me. hours. Eight wow. hours oh, in, the not... la- in, the, in the last two days. Oh, over two days. Wow. I got four hours and 12 minutes, according to my Fitbit, Monday into Tuesday, and I got four hours and nine minutes Tuesday into Wednesday. 
Um, so I still feel like I'm a teen who's invincible, but that's just not true. And it's not healthy to sleep eight hours over two nights. But when you're healthy, you think you don't need a power of attorney or a healthcare proxy. You think, hey, I'll worry about that when I'm older. Well, guess what, folks? You're older, okay? You're older. Just wrap your brain around it. The fact is, if something happens, you might not be able to designate a power of attorney or a healthcare proxy. What happens then? The states, the courts, all kinds of legal proceedings and get involved with your family. You don't want any of that. It's essential to create a power of attorney and a healthcare proxy as soon as you can when you're healthy. So I want you to call the lawyers at Connors and Sullivan today. They know their stuff because they've been doing it for 40 years. They'll help you make a plan that protects you best. You'll designate who you want to make decisions for you. For a free in-person initial consultation with a lawyer call 718-238-6500 718-238-6500 hi kevin mccullough as the biggest news story still swirls around new york how does it impact our wellness uh, our anxiety plus dr jeanette nishwa it's all part of tonight's wellness night on radio night live Craving that signature Sunday sauce? Michaels of Brooklyn will make your place a must. Join Michaels of Brooklyn Sauce of the Month Club. Receive a different jar of Michaels of Brooklyn pasta sauce, homemade pasta and biscotti each month for six months. Make your home the place to be with Michaels of Brooklyn's signature fresh marinara right in your home. Visit michaelsofbrooklyn.com and order online. That's michaelsofbrooklyn.com. Michaels of Brooklyn, serving the community since 1964. This is Mike Gallagher. Visit the Holy Land with me in Inspiration Cruises and Tours. No other trip will be like Stand With Israel. StandWithIsraelTour.com. StandWithIsraelTour.com or call 855-565-5519. So, would you like a career in the legal field? Do you want to be in the courtroom when the next president of the United States gets indicted? Well, let me tell you about a career that allows you the flexibility to choose where you work, for whom, and how frequently It is court reporting. Court reporters and captioners are in higher demand than ever before. Court systems, schools, and television stations are all looking for these professionals to record and caption everything from depositions to court cases to live events. The NCRA has partnered up with Plaza College to offer a free two-week virtual seminar that gives you a glimpse into the world of court reporting and captioning. The program is called A to Z, and it's being offered free and can be completed from the convenience of your home. Sign up today by email. Emailing info at plazacollege.edu. That's info, I-N-F-O, at plaza, P-L-A-Z-A, college.edu. Listen to AM 970, The Answer, on Alexa. Tune in, iHeart, or odyssey.com. appropriate song because it's a song from the 80s and uh well when i think of the next guest uh, the 80s are front and center in my mind in particular 1988 and 1989 um people have been asking me a lot about the legalities of uh the trump indictment and we're going to talk to joe tacopina in a little while about the legalities of the trump indictment but um, I've been asking people about, and look, nobody has an obvious answer about the political ramifications of the Trump indictment. So let's go to our next guest, national political consultant Chuck Thies. Hello there, Mr. Thies. Good evening, Arthur. How are you? Oh, I'm just Jim Dandy. Uh, I learned a new word today uh, uh, from a friend of mine from Ireland, 
a uh, do you know what they call a bow tie in Ireland? I I do not. It's called a dicky bow. A dicky bow. All right. Well, yeah. we should steer away from that because you know uh, I easily oh. find myself getting into trouble when uh, we bump up against what could potentially be puns that border on salacious and All you know right. my reputation. Okay. <laughs> yes, I do know it's, your reputation. It's a family show. So the whole world saw. Donald Trump uh, sitting in a courtroom, uh, walking in and out of the criminal courthouse. And, um, you know, you're the political guy. You've had your fingers on the pulse in the world of politics since 1997. Tell us, what does this do for the Trump presidency? Well, I think we have to go back to the summer of 2015 uh, when Trump was just beginning his campaign for the Republican nomination to be president. And in in late July, early August of 2015, uh, Donald Trump called John McCain a coward. He said that Megyn Kelly was bleeding out of her eyes and her you-know-what. He had some fight with Rosie O'Donnell. He called Jeb Bush low energy. He made fun of Lindsey Graham. He pretty much touched every third rail that you could possibly touch. And what happened? His poll numbers went up. And I turned to you and everyone else who I knew, and I said, that man's going to be the Republican nominee. He has figured out something that no one else has figured out. And so move the clock forward, eight years, seven and a half years, my how time flies. And I actually don't think that these legal troubles hurt him politically. Look at his poll numbers. When rumors of a potential indictment came out, his numbers went up. And and we're just talking about in the Republican primary um, against uh, who will probably be uh, Ron DeSantis. His numbers went up and his numbers have consistently gone up. And when you look at the polling among Republicans, they don't support this. They think it's politicized justice. They don't even think it's justice. So in terms of the Republican nomination. I can't see how this hurts Trump. There's no new revelations. There's no bombshell. There's no smoking gun. There's nothing that people who haven't already formed a decision about Donald Trump, people who haven't already formed an opinion about him, there's nothing new here. There's nothing new. What about the optics of seeing him in a criminal courthouse? What about the optics of 34 counts? Uh, felony counts, you know, do people want to elect a president of the United States who's under indictment? So, okay, those are, that's important to take those into consideration. And we'll have to look at the poll numbers in about a week, because obviously leading up to yesterday, no one knew there were 34 felony uh, 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 indictments. No one knew, or counts, excuse me, you're the lawyer. Uh, No one knew um, that there was going to be a somewhat gruesome um, uh, court sketch. You know, that's not helpful, actually. Uh, no one knew what the optics would be like. So we'll have to see if that affects the polling. But right now, it doesn't appear as though any minds have been changed. Do people want, if you went out and, and asked people on the street, do you want a president who has a criminal record? Not that he has a criminal record yet, but do you want a president who has been indicted, who has been accused of committing 34 felonies? Do you want that person to be president? I think most people would say no. But Donald Trump isn't just any presidential candidate. He has violated 
almost every norm possible. And the ones that he himself has not violated, he's been accused of violating, colluding with the Russians, for example. So there's this great scene in Monty Python in the Holy Grail where this man's going to be stoned to death for saying Jehovah. And he's surrounded by a group of people with stones. And, And he just starts saying Jehovah over and over again because they're stoning him to death anyway. So if you're Trump, it really doesn't make a difference what you do. They're going to throw the stones. They're going to throw the stones at you. And and they just seem to bounce off. Now, you know, let's talk about it, the money. Didn't he, get, didn't he get a boatload of money over the last over the weekend? He, he up into the indictment, he had raised um, uh, the proceedings yesterday. He had raised like six million dollars and they haven't released any new numbers. But people who are sort of in the know and can look at web traffic and, and, and social media metrics that show how much activity there is moving toward his fundraising pages. They think he doubled that. So wow. his, his, his supporters are not going away. And things like this only reinforce what they already believe which is that everyone is out to get Trump because Trump is the man who is here to save America from the deep state, the progressives. What about the, the, so those are the people who are already the Trumpers. What about the independents? What about people who are like, eh, I'm not into Biden, but I haven't really been into Trump. Like, how, how do you think this affects them? Well, now we're moving on to the general election, right? First, you have to win the, the nomination. When you get to the general election, you know, if we were sitting here, at uh, at this time of the year in 2007, thinking about the 2008 presidential election, we'd be talking about the war in Iraq. Oh, the war in Iraq's going to decide it. The war in Iraq's going to decide it. And lo and behold, the economy falls to pieces in the summer of 2008, and the election turns into a referendum on the economy and and, uh, preventing a depression. So to, to sort of predict what and how this plays a role and what factor it will play in the in the 2024 presidential election it's impossible to know under what circumstances that election will be litigated if everything is how it is today which is almost never the case but if everything is how it is today advantage biden because he can point at him and say felon he can point at him and say accused felon and if trump is is acquitted he can say, I was acquitted. Well, then no one likes to say I was acquitted, right? It's better to say I was never charged. So advantaged Biden. But again, today, look at the national polls. No one is really keen on either of these guys. Roughly, they pull 40, 40 to 40, you know, 38, 42, 39, 41. But there's 20 percent of America, and a lot of them are independents, but some are, are Democrats and Republicans. They're not keen on either of these guys. So if, if it ends up Biden-Trump, and nothing has really changed dramatically on the global um, scene with the economy, anything unpredictable, then it's probably a factor. Um, and, and probably independent sour on Trump because that's a lot of baggage. But if the economy's heading south, if there's a situation in the world, a security situation, a military situation, a disaster, any of the bazillion unpredictable things that we can't possibly even wrap our heads around today, Trump could make that the dominant issue, and then other things become tertiary. All right, let me put you on the spot for a second. Uh, if Donald Trump won, had won and was in office, would the Ukraine war be going on right now, yes or no? 
Wow. Uh, no, I don't think that uh, it would be going on. It would probably be a, a quieter war. It probably would have been a, a slower, less militaristic uh, uh, invasion of the eastern part of the Ukraine. I don't think we would see bombing of Kiev. I don't think we would see the type of destruction that we've seen west of Kiev. No. Would uh, would the economy, would inflation be at the, the rates that it's on at now if Donald Trump was in office? Um, so inflation, I mean, now 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 I have to put on my economist hat. Um, inflation was really beginning to become a problem while Trump was still president because of the money we were printing and and a bunch of other factors including the supply chain um and and a, a plethora so of you think that trump wouldn't have wouldn't, wouldn't have as much of a hold on on the inflation part of his as he would with the bully pulpit regarding ukraine yeah i think inflation was something that any president was going to have to deal with of course biden came into office and printed more money every president that comes in wants to print money remember when george bush was first elected he sent us all checks right so everyone likes to do that it's a good way to make friends you give away money um, but the repercussions in this case are massive inflation. Um, so, you know, maybe Trump would have done a better job keeping oil prices down. It's hard to say. That's a very difficult. Um, OK, I have another I have an easy question for you. What's the latest book you've read? The latest book that I read is called The Air Conditioned Nightmare. It's by Henry Miller. It was published about 65, 70 years ago. Um, and I was going through a bunch of books uh, in my basement, cleaning out, making space. My wife was out of town for three weeks, so I was sort of cleaning up and doing stuff. And I came upon this book that a dearly departed friend had given me. And I said, wow, you're a bad friend, Chuck. You never read that book. Um, you need to read that book. So what's I the most recent what's the most recent movie you've seen? Oh, I saw this movie on Netflix last night. If you ha if, if if you're strong willed and you don't mind sort of depressing war sagas, it's a Norwegian film. It's called War Sailors. It's about World War Two and the Norwegian merchant fleet um, that was decimated by the Germans, uh, but ultimately was one of the, um, the most important naval fleets or merchant fleets in the whole war. Um, a lot of people believe that without war the Norwegian merchant fleet. I we have 100 we have 120 seconds in 120 seconds in Chicago they bounced out the the mayor who had crime out of control and then there was a more uh law and order candidate and a less law and order candidate who won the mayor the, the less law and order candidate won the the mayoralty what does that say about Chicago what does that say about the state in, in uh of affairs in Americans big cities uh and you got 2 minutes okay so um what ended up happening is the power of the unions became evident in Chicago, and they backed the progressive candidate. And the racial dynamic of elections in Chicago became evident because the African-American candidate galvanized the black vote and picked up some progressive white vote and ended up winning by about two percentage points in a very close race. But what does this mean? You have the soft on crime mayor who will be sworn in in a few weeks because this was a runoff. Um, and we see elsewhere in the country where when we have soft on crime mayors and mayors that are not willing to back the blue, uh, we have a deterioration of things that we've come to love in cities during the latter half of the 20th century and the beginning of this century. We're seeing it all over the country. Uh, we see it here in Washington, D.C. You see it in New York. Now, you're lucky. You actually um, elected a centrist 
a, a, a centrist mayor who has a background in law enforcement. Um, but I think for Chicago, this is bad news because I don't think this mayor will have the um, political courage to do what is necessary to get our cities back under control. We have the same All right, problem. You have it from, from oh, Trump, Chuck Thies. Real quick, you got Joe Tacopina on. This is important. Make sure you ask him what was his nickname when he appeared on IMUS. Okay, it's really important <clears throat> that you have a lengthy discussion about that. <laughs> okay. All right, Chuck Thies, thank you for your political analysis. David Schwartz just texted me. This political analyst is excellent. So you, you did your job, young man. Have a beautiful Seder tonight. Enjoy the bitter herbs. Uh, we're going to take sir. a quick break, folks, and uh, we'll be right back um, within, within about three minutes with Joe Tacopina. Hi, this is Judge Kamins, a partner at Idala Bertuna and Kamins, and where Arthur Idala of the Arthur Idala Power Hour works at his 24-7 day job. In 2014, I retired from the bench to join ABK, which is a full-service, preeminent boutique firm that has been helping New Yorkers when legal problems arise. ABK is uniquely qualified to assist New Yorkers who have a wide range of legal problems, from personal injury claims and civil litigation to criminal defense and trusts and estates. I personally work on appellate matters, attorney disciplinary matters, and complex legal issues with a dedicated group of attorneys who provide a team approach to each case. There is no legal problem too big or small for this talented and hardworking legal team. So when you think of the Idala Power Hour, also keep in mind ABK, the power legal firm. So I spoke to my friend Jason today at Hempleaf and, uh, you know, we, we spoke and he goes, I want to ask you something. How do you feel? Is the stuff really working? And I said, Absolutely. As I'm looking in the, I'm driving, I'm looking in the rearview mirror, I go, I'm looking all shiny and youthful and I'm feeling good. And I really, I will tell you, I really enjoy this product. I now, like I kept everything in the big pine box, the beautiful pine box that it comes in. But now I kind of took them all out because some days I want to put on the lavender, which smells like you're in a spa. Some days I want the unscented one. Some days I want the vanilla one. Um, sometimes I use the the butter, which is a little lighter. Other days I use the actual shake there's the butter and there's uh, i think it's the cream i don't know there's two of them but they're both really good i did the whole black soap in the shower this morning it's just listen if you want to take care of yourself and you know when the you're in the airplane and they say you you know when the the mask drops god forbid if there's a drop in pressure they always say put the mask on yourself first and then help your neighbor well you got to take care of yourself first and I think I saw you, Jackman, uh, had like a little melanoma or something on his nose. He had to get taken off. As they, as the guys told us uh, last uh, two weeks ago, I think when they were on, it also has some sunscreen uh, ability here. So I'm thrilled about using this product. I thank them for giving me the product, um, and I encourage you if you you got skin issues. You want to maintain that youthful good looks. You you know you squint a lot like I do, and you want those those little lines on your forehead to go away, or at least not get worse. Slather it on, baby. Slather it on. 
Also, if you work out, like our next guest, Joe Tacopina does, the Icy Pot that they have, it's a muscle uh, rub that will, you know, have that effect of loosening up your muscles, making you feel better after the workout. And then there's Helixer for the young ladies who wear high heels and their heels are killing them. Put them on before you go to sleep. You wake up and you'll feel fresh as a daisy. How are you going to find out about Hemp Leaf? You're going to go to H-E-M-P-L-I-E-F, H-E-M-P-L-I-E-F.com. That's www www.hemplief.com. Mention the name Arthur at checkout and receive 10% off. This is Albert Moeller for townhall.com. Vladimir Putin's government has arrested a major Western reporter, in this case a reporter for the Wall Street Journal, Evan Gerskovich, who was taken into custody on Thursday of last week. Now, of course, Gerskovich was accused of being a spy. That's as old as the old Soviet playbook. Those who have a memory of the Cold War know that that's exactly what took place routinely during the years of the Soviet Union under the context of Soviet communism. You had Western journalists repeatedly arrested. They were held on charges of espionage and spying, but no one on either side really believed it was espionage at all. It's a power play. Instead, and we knew this at the time, These reporters were pawns in a massive great power game between the United States and the Soviet Union. We're seeing a parallel dynamic emerge today. There are a lot of moral questions, and there's no easy way out of this. It's almost as if we are back in the Cold War once again. I'm Albert Moeller. All right. So I was on uh, Piscopo show yesterday morning, and then um, Takapina, who's our next guest, was on this morning. Um, as per my request, by the way, to Mr. Takapina, uh, you know, we're all part of the big family here on AM 970, The Answer. And Joe Piscopo mentioned to Joe Takapina that we, he's going to Sicily in October. And what do you think Takapina does? He calls me right after the hit. He goes, we should go to Sicily with, with Piscopo. It'll be a blast. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities, if neither Joe nor I are on trial, that we're going to be going to Sicily with Steve Perillo and Joe Piscopo on a spectacular Perillo tour. Start off in Rome, do the best of Rome, three nights, going to see all the, t- the the sights in Rome, and Piscopo is going to entertain you with a great meal and performance. And then you're going to go to Catania, Taromina, Savoca, Forza di Agro, Mount Etna, and Palermo. I mean, folks, it is a great, great trip. And how are you going to go on it from October 18th to October 28th? You're going to call 1-800-431-1515, 1-800-431-1515, or go check out the whole tour online at Perillo Tours, P-E-R-I-L-L-O Tours.com. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970, The Answer. We return now with lifetime New Yorker and legal analyst, attorney Arthur Idala and the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Oh, nice music, Sam Bellino. All right, so you've seen him everywhere. Everywhere we go now, you know, people are waving at him, clapping for him, uh, cheering him on, go Joe, go. Uh, And here, uh, right after, I'm sure, one of his big gym workouts and before one of his uh, special dinners where he'll order the filet mignon as black as the the waiter's apron, uh, is my friend Joe Tacopina. Hello, Giuseppe. No, right in the middle of one of my workouts, actually. Oh, are you? Is is, is that what's going on, Joe? Literally me with the headsets, yes. How how often do you work out? How often do you work out? Five, five days a week, brother. 
And how long is the workout? One hour, but one hour of real workout. I don't talk to anybody at the gym. I'm not looking so slides. I have my hat down low. I had the headsets in, and I go. <laughs> I just go. And do you do it alone or is somebody, like, taking care of you? Like, no, you know, no, you no, have, like, no, a no, trainer alone, or something? Alone. And nope, is this – uh, Oh, look at you. You sent me a picture of yourself. Yeah, we, got all, right we, got, we, we got all these tattoos or something like that. What's going on with you, Tacopino? You, you, you used to be like an innocent, an innocent right little now. boy. You used to be a little, <laughs> used to be a little innocent no, boy. No, no. Uh, on no, a scale no, no. from one to ten, ten being exhausted, where, where, where is your, your energy level right now? Seriously, not even joking, like a 15. Um, <laughs> I, this, is, this, is, this morning I did a Today Show, and some guy on CBS who was asking questions like I, he didn't even read the indictment. I thought, I really thought I was going to pass out. <laughs> I couldn't even, like, like getting lightheaded in the van. Crazy. I, I believe the good you, news is, yours is the last show I'm doing for a very long time. Uh, okay. Grand finale. All right, well, I, I appreciate the grand finale. I'm not going to hold you too long when you got to go back onto the bench press or whatever you gym guys do. I just do my push-ups and, and basically throw six-year-old author up in the air seven times, and I'm good to go. Um, so, Joe, look, you and I both know, right, sometimes – we get retained on cases. You get a great relationship with your client. And, like, you kind of lose objectivity, right? You get so caught up, oh, this is a BS case or this is nothing. And But typically, even though we both have high-profile clients, you don't have, like, half the world agreeing that it's kind of a BS case. And I, I want to ask you if you heard something. Did you hear that Merrick Garland's, one of his assistants, like lawyer assistants, who's now resigned, said that Merrick Garland looked at this case and passed on it because he said it was too petty? I heard that. Um, I know for a fact that the Justice Department of the Southern District did as well. Um, but I did hear that. I mean, how could he not? I mean, look, honestly, I just pointed something out to someone recently. You know, Hillary Clinton was just fined over $100,000 for a campaign finance violation, okay, an FEC fine. And generally when there's FEC violations, Federal Election Committee violations, you pay a fine. Hillary Clinton's campaign during the same time Donald Trump was apparently selling a civil case that wound up uh, being a 34-count indictment, um, they paid over $100,000 for what's called the Steele dossier, which was, you know, the, the, the dirt about the fake Russia stuff with Trump right. that, that wound up being a nothing but they paid for that. It's called, you know, dirt. You know, you, you're buying dirt on, a, on a, a campaign opponent, which is, by the way, legal. It's fine. Um, but you have to declare that, right? You have to put it, especially when you're paying with campaign money, which her campaign did. The funny part about that is, you know what she classified that as? Legal fees. There you How go. How great was that? Legal fees. So, Joe, let me, so let me, and there, go ahead. Keep going. That, but she got a fine. Donald Trump, who actually paid a lawyer legal fees, gets indicted. So you've been saying all over the TV, and you've been telling me one-on-one-on-one -on -one -on -one conversation. You get, I quoted, I did Megyn Kelly show for an hour today, and I told her what you told me when you came out of the courthouse. She's like, I dollar, this is not a crime. Um, and I've heard you all over the TV saying you spoke to someone from the Federal Election Committee who said yeah, it's not a crime. Yeah, Bradley well, Smith. Bradley Smith, okay, the former chairman. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I was on Megyn Kelly's show with him today. I mean, you should call this guy as an expert. No, I'm, he was he oh, was he's, fantastic. He's phenomenal. He was fantastic, and he basically educated us. And he was like, basically, what he said is, if you're 
um, running for president of the United States, and you're going to go to the debate that night, and you've never bought a two thousand dollars suit. You never, right? You never uh-huh. bought a two thousand dollars suit, but you're going to buy it, and you buy the two thousand dollars suit. That is not a, a a sanctioned kind of expense, and therefore there's no obligation to. If you filed it as a campaign expense, it would be rejected, um, and that's basically Correct. what happened here. And he's saying because- that it's not a crime. Because even though it could benefit the campaign, because you look nice and more presentable, it's still not considered an expense under campaign finance laws. So you can't use campaign money for it, right? Can you imagine, Arthur, what everyone would be saying right now, the New York Times, everyone else would be baying for the scalp of Donald Trump if he had paid this this money, this uh, legal settlement money with campaign funds because of the campaign expense? Oh, they'd be going crazy. They'd be saying, he settled... He paid for a personal lawsuit for a touch money lawsuit with campaign funds. That's outrageous. Indict him. I mean, that's exactly what would be happening. He actually did the right thing. He didn't take a tax deduction for this. He didn't pay with campaign funds, personal funds. And, and that's what he's supposed to do. He didn't have to declare anything. There was nothing to declare. Bradley Smith laid out 10 times better than I could ever lay it out. He's a former FEC chairman. But what he said was that analogy you just gave. It's not. If the payment was made, would have been made, irrespective of the campaign, not a campaign finance violation, period of the story. So uh, he was great today. He, he educated all of us. It was there was two uh, me, another lawyer, he and Megan, and basically he took over the show appropriately so because he really gave us all a lesson and what's what's going on here and what's a crime and what's not a crime. And again, it's like it's not like he's some guy. You know, he's he was the, the head of the election. Yeah. Okay. You know, he's a Har- Harvard educated lawyer, uh, really knows his stuff. But um, so, Joe, did, do you have any idea when you're going to get the discovery in the case? We still have to work out the logistics of the protective order. Um, we're close, I think. Um, just you know, about practicality, really. I mean, just tell the right, tell the listeners what a protective yeah. what tell the listeners what a protective yeah, order with, is. Sure, it's with the evidence, the discovery, the grand jury material, all that stuff. In a case like this, the prosecution wants a protective order so it can't be disseminated to third parties. But I, you know, I can't give it to you, and you can read it on your radio show. So they, they, that's a protective order. In case of this magnitude with this level of scrutiny and sensitivity, they want a protective order, which is really fine, um, as long as it doesn't hinder our ability to prepare and defend. And, and you know, when yesterday they said in court, I jumped up because I was like, it can't be, because it, the, the prosecutor said, we could show it to our client, you know, the president, Donald Trump, in one of our offices, go through it with him in one of our offices. I jumped up and I said, well, that's not happening. He's not coming to my office or... Blanche's office or Susan's office, not happening. So it would have to be in our presence. Like, we'll do it in Mar-a-Lago or right. wherever. Um, so, you know, it's, it's those kind of little logistics we have to work out. Once that's done, we'll get all the discovery, the grand jury material, hopefully, um, you know, and everything else. Did they give you any idea? Did they give you any idea how many pages the grand jury minutes are? No. None, okay. No. So, so, Joe, I just, so Joe, I, just I had a case in. I had a case in that, in that building. Uh, you, know, you and I got to talk shop for a second. I had a case in that building very recently. Same situation, ex-indictment, all this. So the judge says, okay, mo- motions in four weeks. Now, I knew it was a long grand jury presentation. I said, judge, four weeks? Yeah. I said, judge, that's definitely not going to be enough time. Oh, no, I don't care, Mr. Idol. You can write a letter to the court, blah, blah, blah. So when we finish, we're right, still in the well. I go to the prosecutor. How many pages are the grand jury material, the grand jury material? She goes, oh, like 2,500. 
I go, you think maybe you want to mention to the judge you're going to hand me 2,500 pages of grand jury material over a one-year investigation that I may need more than four weeks to submit motions? Oh, yeah, I, I guess I should have said that. This judge gave you four months to submit motions. Yep. Before I let you go, can Correct. you just give, because uh, there's a lot of guesswork out there of what kind of motions you're going to file, just give everyone a little idea of, of the obvious motions you're going to file. Obvious ones are motions to dismiss. Obvious ones are the motions to dismiss based on legal insufficiency, being a, this not being a crime, uh, statute of limitations, um, prosecutorial misconduct, selective prosecution, being he's the first and only in the United States of America to be prosecuted on this crazy, twisted theory of, of uh, false business records as a felony, relying on a federal election campaign statute by a state prosecutor. Um, yeah, that, those for starters jump off the top of my head, um, and then we'll see what else there is. So, uh, again, according to the head of the FEC, there is no election law crime here. But let's just say he's wrong. The president who's, who worked on these, these cases for a long time and handled what's possible and what's not possible on the federal election law. It, it, Joe, do you guys have any precedent or does Alvin Bragg have any precedent when a state prosecutor uses a federal law as the law, that, as the crime that they're trying to cover up? Never, never have seen it. Now, don't forget, the indictment, <laughs> being very courageous as they were, doesn't list what the second crime is. It literally just has false business records to aid in a better conceal another crime without mentioning what the other crime is. I mean, maybe it's a DWI that we don't know about or something. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's, we're assuming, obviously, it's federal uh, election law. It has to be. It was a federal election. But, I, you know, who knows where they're going with this thing. I, I really, I'm, I'm, you know, I saw the press got to break yesterday it made me more confident that they really don't know where to go with this and what they're doing and that they just you know did this to get their indictment thinking this would kneecap the political opponent the front runner of the political opposition and that so far hasn't worked because so far since the indictment uh donald trump's poll numbers have gone through the roof he's now the leading republican candidate by far even further than he was he's ahead of biden in the polls and he's raised $7 million in three days that, that he's raised. People have sent in, donated, because they feel that this is literally a, a politically motivated weaponization of the justice system. So I don't know. This could be a new campaign move for candidates for us to get indicted and, you know, call it weaponization. Yeah, <laughs> you know, one, one, one last it's, question you know. that a caller, a caller just texted me and asked me to ask you is um, – uh, all these documents that they're saying, like the check that was written out, the invoices that were written out, and the ledger that was written out, were any of those ever filed officially with a right. government agency, or did were they only just in the file cabinets of the office? Whoever that caller was is a very smart caller because that's the question. That it's gonna, no one, nothing got filed anywhere because they weren't supposed to be filed anywhere. He, if he took a tax deduction, we'd have, be having a different conversation right now. He did not take a tax deduction. If he had filed it you know, pay with campaign money and filed it with the FEC, again, they'd be, we'd be having a different conversation. Didn't happen. It was never filed anywhere. So, therefore, there is no false business record, unless they're saying it should have been filed, but it wasn't. But that's not the case, Harper. It's just not the case. There was no, as Bradley Smith said today, you know, you were with him, there is no federal uh, campaign law violation at all. This never was filed anywhere. This is a insanely vindictive prosecution, and I don't think it's going to see a jury. I really don't. And do you, Joe? Do you bench press at all? I do. I just. I what do you What, what are you putting up these days, Joe? What are you putting up these days? 
a solid 700 pounds. Seven, I thought it was yeah. 750. Yeah, down. I don't lift that heavy. I don't lift that heavy. <laughs> and one, and one last caller just asked me, and I don't know the answer to this, so I hope I'm not embarrassing you. They said, please ask Mr. Takapina, what was Imus's nickname for him? I know on your website it says the greatest lawyer of all time that I miss in the no, morning. But, but he, yeah, he did. That's what he said. He said that you know when he introduced me sometimes, but when he was in a bad mood or something else, you know, I forgot what his nickname. He had so many different <laughs> nicknames, mostly derogatory. I just can't remember from my head. So maybe your calls are more knowledgeable than I am, man. Jesus. All right, Giuseppe. I know you got to go. I know you got to do some more. Whatever you guys do in the gym over there. So God bless. Good luck. Get some sleep. Have a great dinner tonight. And uh, whatever. I'll talk to you during the week. <laughs> Goodbye. All right, buddy. All right. There you got it. You got it from the lawyer himself. Um, you know, I I I can't say I've been in his shoes because you know this is the biggest case ever, or at least the biggest arraignment ever. But you know, um, when you're in that zone that he's in right now and i'm going to tell you like i'm in like you know he's in 100 percent of the zone i'm like in 10 percent of the zone because of where the location is which is the manhattan da's office and i've had so much history there i've been asked my opinion like so many times um and i mean the really only person whose opinion i've asked was judge cammons who was on yesterday who according to mr bitter is one of the best guests we've ever had um you know, you, you you get tired. Uh, you really get tired. When I heard Joe on, uh, when I heard him on Piscopo this morning, then he called me afterwards. Um, you know, he said he goes, you know, it, it's it's not just it's a different kind of exhaustion because there's this like exhilaration and and a little bit of an anxiety, and you're nervous. And to say you're not nervous is malarkey. Um, and look, I don't think it's a big secret having Donald Trump as a client. It's not the easiest task. Um, having Harvey Weinstein as a client is not the easiest task. And e- even when they're relatively quiet, like Alan Dershowitz is, has been a pretty excellent client, but there's like this extra pressure. And that extra pressure, it puts weight. It puts weight on your shoulders. Um, Rudy Giuliani, you know, he's a very active client. You know, he's... you. you, you Forget all those rumors that Rudy shot, and that's baloney. And that's the nicest way I could say it. Rudy comes into this office. He reads these documents. He takes out his sharpie. He marks them up in a very diligent, methodical way. Um, so don't you know? But you know, when when you're representing Rudy Giuliani, you're like, okay, you know, this is a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure in the criminal world when you're representing anyone, um, no more so than when you're convinced they are factually innocent, which was the case with Billy Rapetti, the crane operator, where I'm going <laughs> to call out my buddy Dave right now, where after I got a full acquittal, after a trial that started May 20-something before Memorial Day and ended July 22nd, so two full months, um, when there was a full acquittal on this crane case, my buddy Dave said, Idala, congratulations. I have no problem telling you I thought you were committing uh, legal malpractice because what the hell do you know about cranes? Um, but, you know, what happened was I learned about cranes. I put hard hats on. I literally went up and down cranes. My client was a master teacher. He was what's called a master rigger. So he taught me everything about cranes. There was this book uh, about all about cranes. And so by the time we got to trial and I had to cross-examine these witnesses, 
I learned a lot of, about cranes and I was able to cross-examine them. But the only time I ever shed a tear at a verdict, it was a case that I won. Um, and I will say one, I think it was 40 or 43 counts, I got to hear not guilty, was that pressure of representing someone who's absolutely, in my mind, factually innocent. And there was such an easy way for that judge to compromise. Could have found him not guilty of the murder charges, find him guilty of the criminally negligent homicide charges, and either give him a very light sentence or he could have given him probation. And the fact that he didn't, and we proved, well, or... They failed to prove beyond a reasonable doubt uh, the, that, that he did something wrong that day. Literally brought me to my, t- my knees um, in tears. So this whole Trump thing, I think hopefully it's quieting down now. We may do a little something different on tomorrow's show. We'll probably touch on Trump, but we'll move on. But let's face it. Thursday night, the indictment came down. Friday, Trump. Monday, Trump. Tuesday, Trump. Wednesday, Trump. Maybe tomorrow, I don't know, we'll put someone on and talk about cooking or <laughs> something like that. Speaking of cooking, let me take one more opportunity for uh, my brother Handshaft, my brother Spring, my brother Schwartz, uh, my brother Kletzik, uh, Kamins, Leventhal. Leventhal's banging out the brisket tonight and some turkey. Uh, maybe we'll get some leftovers along the way. Uh, uh, the Lebowitz family. Uh, I, I'm, You know, I'm a little bummed out. I... Actually, didn't catch an invite this year to a to a, a Passover seder. I don't, you know, I maybe got lost in the mail. I invite people over all the time, Christmas and Easter, and it's all good. Oh, it's been great and a luxury to have this microphone in front of me uh, to share my thoughts on the biggest case ever, uh, the last five nights, and uh, you know, it's being on Inside Edition and extra. And, and News Nation and all these other places. It's really been such a privilege to be able to take the microphone and speak to you about this. And I'm trying to be as objective as I could be. And I'm trying to look at things from Alvin Bragg's point of view, who everyone says is a really smart guy and is a really nice guy. I just think he his judgment on this case was off. Uh, this does not rise to the level the crime alleged in this indictment does not rise to the level to divide this country to affect a presidential election he he should have you know taken care of the people robbing people on the subway have a great night have a great seder we'll see you tomorrow The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored by Idala Bertuna and Cammons PC. Portions of the Arthur Idala Power Hour sponsored by Hempleaf. We won't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in your body.